I love that. How many how many people have ever ridden on a real train? You ought to go to Colorado and get on one of them, go through the mountains. It's scary. The tracks are like you're sitting there and you're looking out and going about a thousand feet down. You're thinking, oh my God, stay on the track. I did that because of a prophecy that Mary Fran gave us that the, the engine, as powerful as it is, is no good without tracks. And we're talking about prayer, and we're going to talk about it again today. We're going to talk about our prayer life. And um, we're going to, we've got, to, I don't know how long we're going to do this. We'll do it until the Lord says no. But the sermon today is called The Source of Power. Or I could rename it and say, where'd the power go? So let's talk about the power of God today, and let's talk about the power of God in your life. And let's get your Bibles out and go to 1 John chapter 3. So now I'm going to ask you a question. Do you want your prayers answered? Sure you do. Everybody wants their prayers answered. Now, now let me qualify this for a moment and talk about this in, in, well, let's just talk about it. People have an idea, and it's wrong, that no matter where you are in life, you can go to God, ask him to fix it, and he will. That's partly true if you're a baby. So, so the, where I stand and why I'm trying to teach you some stuff is because when a baby is a baby, all he's got to do to get his needs met is scream. There's a I'm wet cry, there's I'm hungry cry, and then there's I just want to cry cry. But they're just, but the baby gets his needs met and does nothing to a point. Now what happens is, is after a while, God is going to start requiring more out of you. Now, where I am in this is that for so many years, Christians came to church wanting me to pray for you and to get an answer for you while you're not even doing what he said. That creates a problem, not for me, but for you because you're asking, where is God? I cried. And I'm like, maybe you're being, there's a little more being required out of you right now. So we're going to talk about the side of prayer today. We're going to talk about obedience. Now, while I'm talking about obedience, I forbid you to be quiet during my sermon. See, quiet is guilt. Okay, okay. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, and let's, let's read because Jesus said, I mean, who's he? Go into all the world and teach them to do what I said. My job is to teach you what he said, not to qualify it, not to explain it, but just teach you what he said. Your job is to do it. So the, now let's go back to the baby thing. When you're three, there's not as much on you as when you're 30. 
And so you got to determine right now whether you're three or 30 while you sit in this church. But I'm going to read a scripture to you, and I, want, and I want you to pay attention. It's a good scripture. 1 John 3, 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because he loves us. Whatever we ask, we receive him because of what? We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. There are promises in the Bible that God has placed conditions on them. If you don't meet the condition, you don't get the prayer answered. All right, now let me, let me back up a minute and go over a little history. In the, the book of Acts or the beginning of the church, the church was very powerful. The Christianity is a powerful religion. It's not a religion, but, but we are a powerful people. But right now, the church in America is not near as powerful as it should be. The reason for that is that we're not doing what he said. We're going to begin to make some adjustments. Okay, and I'm going to show you that today, and I'm going to show you that it's possible for you to get every prayer answered. I don't care how impossible it is, but there's a qualification. So let's look at another one here, First uh, John 2, 4. Let's go to 2, 4. Uh, um, he who says, I know him, I know God, I'm a Christian, and doesn't keep his commandments is what? Well, I'm saved. Whoopie-doo. He who says, I know God. How do we know you know God? You see, there's a God side and a man side to every battle. God took care of your spirit. Now, the responsibility lies on you to keep his commandments. And, and answered prayer is connected to obedience. Now, you understand, a three-year-old to obey is a different than a 10-year-old and different than a 30-year-old. So every one of us in this room have a different place that we're walking with God. And there might be someone sitting next to you that's getting away with uh, all kind of junk, and you cannot. Ask me how I know that. I found out he requires more out of me than you would ever imagine. Because I don't get away with getting out of love like some of y'all. Because I'm supposed to be pastoring and there's a higher standard. And, and you know what? Y'all can do a lot of junk. And if I do it, I get called on the carpet. Now, what did you say? Well, I was just, you know... Talking to Lulu in the in the in the, in the foyer, and we well, well, Lulu's getting away with it, but I'm not. Okay, let's look at another one here. Since y'all are amening, and you're going to keep amening, first First John five two. By this we know we love the children of we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. In other words, 
if you're not keeping the commandments, you do not love God. See, love is going to require something out of you. I love my wife. That means that I don't love any other woman. That's, that's taboo. I don't, we don't do that. When you're married, there's things you don't do. There's things you do do. But we're not dating. You agree with that? Okay, and you're not dating him either. And he ain't dating you. There's a ring on your finger. Woo, Jesus, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> Let's, let, me, let me finish reading this. I think. For this is the love of God, we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It, it is not a pain to obey God. As a matter of fact, it's a pain to disobey God. So I'm going to do a scale in your mind. I, I don't, I'm not going to do it on the thing. I, I was going to bring a whiteboard in here. But let's say a one is hell and ten is heaven. Let's just pretend. So what part of hell is good? None. What part of heaven is bad? So why would you try to see how close you can get to hell on earth and want a life like heaven. Why would you not want to obey God? Because it is in the obedience that you have a better life. So when someone's preaching obedience, don't go quiet. Go, amen, hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. Don't sit there and go, he's talking about obeying God. That's what five-year-olds do when you tell them to obey. Oh, boy, I'm preaching better than they've been pretty good. Amen. All right. All right. So let's go to Judges 13. Ha, ha, ha. You're going to have to give me another one of them tissues. I don't know why in the world my my my... My nose decided to jog today. That means run. You know, I quit jogging after I read a scripture that says a wicked man runs when no one's chasing him. I said, well, that stopped jogging right there. I ain't jogging. Lisa goes, honey, that's not what that means. I said, that's your interpretation of that scripture. Mine is just quit jogging. All right. All right, Judges 13, 6. We're going to look at Samson's life because the church started out in power and a Christian is the most powerful person on the earth. We are a people of great power. And Samson in the, in, in the book of Judges is a type of the local church. And we see that Samson began his ministry with power from the anointing of God. Now, let me stop here and make a statement to you. Without the anointing, you're no different than any other person on the earth. You want 
the anointing. And without obedience, you aren't going to have it. Oh, that's a nutshell of the whole sermon. Are you all are you listening? Okay. So Samson, now let me, let me read this to you, to us, 13, 6, uh, 5, verse 5. It says, Behold, I'm, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child will be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and, he'll be, and he will begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of Philistines. Verse 7, And he said to me, Behold, now you shall conceive and bear a son. No wine or similar, or similar drink shall eat anything unclean, for the child will be a Nazarite to God. What is a Nazarite? The word a Nazarite means separated to God. Samson's power came because God separated him from his mother's womb to be used by God. Now, we understand, and all of you have seen the movies, we understand that, and I know that all of the movies show Samson, they go get a guy that's been in Gold's Gym for about 30 years, and he looks about like Isaac over here, or he looks like Zach, and he comes out and he's all buff. But I'm going to tell you, Samson was a five foot six, 135 pound Jewish boy with a beanie hat. And he didn't have a muscle anywhere in his body. Because it wasn't in anything physical that gave him the ability that he had. So we're going to see this. We're going to see this as we read. All right, let's go to 14. Uh, verse 3, his father and mother said, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren among all my people? You must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. He's found him a girl, but she's not Jewish. And they're like, uh, can't you find somebody local? He's like, well, I like that chick down there in the Philistines. Huh? Now, the good news is he did marry her. So everything he did was right, but we know that Samson had a thing for the ladies. Boy, y'all just went real quiet on me. Now, before we get going here, let me explain to you why we're talking about this and, and what actually happened to Samson. Go with me to Proverbs um, 4, 6. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Who is she? It's the wisdom of God. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is always a female. We're going to find out that the wisdom of the world is also a female. So the story of Samson is not necessarily about a chick. It's about the fact that Samson couldn't stay out of bed with the world. You see, he, see you and I have got to learn this. I, we're born again, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling, God-fearing sons of God. But every one of us in this room have got that hooker out there called the world doing everything in her power to seduce us to walk away from our walk with God. 
Every one of us. If you're honest, you say amen. Let's look at another one here while we're on the subject. Proverbs 5.3. Ready? For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. I'm not talking about a female. She's talking about the world. Later, and I don't have time to get into it, but everywhere you're reading in the book of Proverbs, when it's talking about the woman, the immoral woman, the ungodly woman, it always talks about her wisdom. Her wisdom. Her don't got no wisdom. But her thinks she's got some wisdom. The world doesn't love you. And the world added nothing to you. You don't need the world to be powerful. To, the world didn't save you. The world didn't fill you. The world didn't forgive you. The world can't heal you. And the world can't make you rich. But yet she is on ABC, NBC, and CBS spouting trash constantly. And some of y'all are listening to it going, ha, the doctor said, who cares? You know, when someone says I'm practicing, that should scare you. Okay, never mind, I'm I'm way off of that. Proverbs 6.24, let's look at another one. To keep you from the evil woman. From the flattering tongue of a seductress. The world is pulling. Every year it pulls teenagers right out of church. I don't want to go be like the world. I want to dress like the world and look like the world and talk like the world and go to hell with the world. But the world is a seductress and it has nothing to offer you. James chapter 4. We're talking about where is the power? Where did the power go? Would you like the power back? Thank you, Lisa. I'd like to know if anybody else in the building would like it back. (laughs) I'm going to pick on you today. Just hold on. I'll let you out and you can go back. And do whatever you were doing before you got up this morning. Anyway, James chapter 1, 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Now, James is a pastor talking to the church. Intona Center. Do they not come from the desire you have for pleasure, that wars in your members you lust, you don't have, you murder, you covet, you can't obtain, you fight in war and you don't, ask, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you, you ask amiss that you can spend it on your pleasure. In other words, we don't get things the way the world gets them. With the world, it's dog eat dog. It's not dog eat dog with you. You want something? Go ask God. If it's wrong, you don't want it. If God says no, you go, yes, sir. One time a man gave me a Cessna 310, an airplane. And the Lord said no, and I went, 
He said, do you want to be in an airplane? I said, no. And I went, no. He might know something about the engines. I don't know. I don't care if it's a free airplane. There might be something wrong with that airplane. There's a reason he's giving it away. I didn't know that. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, talking to the church, do you not know that friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God? The world you're living in can't give you peace. It can't give you joy. It can't give you health. It can't give you anything. That's a heavy thought. Why are we playing with it? Why are we chasing it? We're going we're gonna to get into in a minute about fellowshipping with God. And I'm going to get way ahead of myself. Don't ever allow anything on this planet to stop you from your time with God. It's not wasted time. You don't need seven days to make a living. Jesus is your living. That's called lust. If you're going to the beach because you've lost your joy, get your joy and then go to the beach. But the beach won't give you joy because you're backslidden. And neither will Disney. I'm so tired, I got to go to Disney. Okay, boy, Lisa, help me. Just pray for me. Lay, just rest your hand. Just pray for me. Do you not know that friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you think the scripture says in vain the spirit dwells in you, yearns jealously, and he gives more grace, and he says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble? Now, let, let, let's, let's talk for a minute. You can be in relationship with God, and you break fellowship with God because you're not living right, and you go to God, and he's going to stiff arm you. Don't come in here and talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, but I need my prayers. No, you don't need. What you need is to do what I said. So let's talk about whole, let's talk about living right just for a moment. Just let's just let's just break this down. Many of you know from listening to me talk about how my sister Nancy taught me about making my own bread. And and I'm going to tell you something, contrary to what everybody says on the internet, bread is good for you if it's real. You grind the wheat, that bread is alive for about 72 hours. After that, it looks like a banana, it just rots. Worthless. That's why they take the germ out and put it on the shelf. That's dead bread. That that just stuff will make you fat, make you sick. But real bread will not. So I got all excited about eating real bread. The other morning, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I said to you, give us this day our daily bread. He said, what, what else is in the bread other than wheat germ? I said, well, there's nothing but the husk. He said, what good is that? 
apparently it has to be good. And, and we're all adults, so I'm going to tell you what happens when you eat bread. It'll clean you out. I mean, now listen, listen as I give you a history on your body. Your health is coming from your gut and your immune system. All of the food you're eating isn't doing you any good if your intestines are clogged up. The Word of God does more than feeds you. It cleans your guts out. If not, you're just full of mud. So he said, when it says, give us today our daily bread, I'm going to tell you something. You're not, if you have, listen to these words, if your guts are a sewer, that sewage is getting in your body. If your soul is a sewer, that's in your life. Say, wow. Wow. Now think about this for a minute. You're praying that God will fix your life and your guts are full of the world. You're, you're full of disobedience. And it may not be sin. It may just be that you aren't doing what he told you to do. But as long as your soul is out of fellowship with God, your life will, be no, your life will never improve. So holiness actually might be a good thing. Well, y'all are, that's, that, y'all are getting this. So let's go back to Samson here for a minute. I, I, I didn't finish with him. So let's go back over there and let's finish up with Sammy. If your name is Sammy, I didn't mean anything by that. Okay, so 13. Oh, that's Samuel. I'm trying to find Judges. Where's Judges? Where is Judges, Lisa? It's in here somewhere. This after Deuteronomy, Lisa knows all that. She's assemblies of God. No, it's not after Deuteronomy. That's Joshua. I'm looking for judges. Oh, after Joshua. You should know your Bible better than that. Ah, I've arrived. Now you know why I've marked my Bible because without it, I can't find anything either. All right. All right, we see here that Samson had a problem with the ladies, chapter 14. Okay, all right, no, 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 no. Okay, where do we want to go? Let me see something here. We're going to go to 16. You ready? Sixteen four. If they're not on the screen yet, I'm not going to wait. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And we all know where this is going. We found him a hot chick here. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said, entice him. 
Find out where his great strength lies. By what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me where your great strength lies, that we may, that, and, and so that we can bind you. Why in the world would you even be running around with a woman who's trying to put you in bondage? Come on, y'all. I'm going to say something to you right now. The world you're in love with has nothing to offer you. The world doesn't love you. They will use you. You will make them money, and they will throw you out. They don't care about you. You You are nothing to them. That's heavy. Let's go along here. Let's go. Anyway, so Samson starts playing with her by joking with her and telling her, well, if you do this. And verse 10 says, and Delilah said, look, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me what you can be bound with. I mean, my God, she's telling him what she's going to do. She's got to be hot looking. And so he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes, that didn't work. He got up the next day and pulled them off and out the door he went and took the gate with him while he went left. In verse 15, she said, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? All right, now listen to me. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We all miss it. But there is a key here. You don't give your heart to anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. The day that that world out there has your heart, you're done. We've all missed it. We've all been attracted by something outside. But I'm going to tell you something. I won't let that world ever get in my heart. And that means sometimes I say no to people with good intentions. Oh, come on, just miss a Sunday. I mean, what is that? I mean, it's just, it's a birthday. It's, what's wrong with you? Nothing. But your cake didn't save my soul. And you didn't save my soul. And you didn't write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And when you're done with your birthday, I'll be there Monday. But I'm not going to walk away from God for your birthday cake, your family, or anybody else. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be worshiping God. I'm going to be reading my Bible. And I'm going to be walking with God. Where are you going to get the power for your unsaved loved ones if you're backslidden at their darn birthday? They're going to hell and you can't help them because you're just like them. Something's got to be different about you. I'm doing better. I'm doing pretty good. All right. 
Let, let, let's read this. Let's read this. Verse 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him with her words and pressed him, and his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart, no razors ever come on my head. I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb, and I'm shaving and my strength will leave. Why is he telling her that? What did she do to deserve him? What did they do to deserve you? Who died on the cross for you? Not your boss and not your job. Come on. And Delilah saw that he told all his heart. She called for the lords of the Philistines, fixing to bind him up. In verse 19, she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and shaved his hair off. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before. And he shook himself and he did not know the Lord had departed. Let me tell a story. Are y'all okay? Because I'm going to get. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get real serious with us. I, say, I want the power back. I'm in Tom Copeland's church one Sunday morning. I'm the youth pastor. That's why I watch how much I let him preach. The Holy Ghost came on me, and the anointing came on me for healing. Came on me like a like a peacoat with heavy. And while I'm standing there, people are talking in church. They're talking. It's the worship service, and they're talking. And the Spirit of God went and lifted off me. And he said on his way out, if they'll get right, I'll come back. And he was not happy. We're being disrespectful the things of God must stay precious. And I stood up and I said something. I said, the Holy Ghost was here and he left. And I, and I corrected the people. I got chewed out for correcting them, but not by God. You see, if you're worried about what, if, if you don't love people enough to correct them, you don't love them at all. You parents correct your kids? Thank you. All right. After they all got out of their chairs and started praying and, and seeking God and repenting, Spirit of God came back on me and God and the power of God hit that place and every sick person in the building got healed. Now, we know that Samson was mightily used by God. I mean, a, a lion came out, and he grabbed it and ripped it like toilet paper. See, we, we're the church. We're the most powerful group of people on the planet. But right now, we're, in the, we're, we're treading wheat for Dagon. We've got a government that's off the chart. Don't pray for the politicians to fix it. They screwed it up. You know who's going to fix it? We are. 
Our prayer, we're going to get before God and we're going to turn this nation back to God. And, and Samson is a type of the church. And later it says that after they made mockery of him, he grabbed two pillars and his hair began to grow back and he got consecrated back to God again. And he grabbed and it says that more died in his last day than his whole life. The last day move of God will be the most powerful move of God that has ever hit this earth. But it won't happen until the church gets out of bed with the world. They don't love you. They're crooked. Wow. And I refuse to be crooked with them. You say, well, I've missed God. Thank you for the blood. We're going to take communion in a minute. You can do it. You can get it right with God. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians 6. We've got a lot of young people today that are trying to find their way in the world so they can be like everybody else. Not good. Not a good idea. Well, that old man at church down there, he don't understand. Let me tell you something. I was a young, ignorant buck one time too. I've already been to jail. I've already been to hell. I know what the world has to offer. Nothing. I don't want any more part of it. All right. 2 Corinthians 6, are you all there? That is not it. That's okay. That's not their fault. 611, that's my fault. 611. If you don't write it down right, they can't read your writing. That's not. Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide. You are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak just to children, you be open. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And you are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1, therefore having these promises, beloved, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of your flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Where'd the power go? It went out when the church decided to to, to lighten up. Now, let let me read something to you about fellowshipping with God. Right now, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not. I don't have the information, but I watched a video the other day. Um, It was sent to me by, I think, Doug Bankston, and it's a very good video. And it's on the enemies within the church. And the whole video is on how the Southern Baptists 
have gone woke. The head, the head. And they're firing people into Bible school that won't go woke with them. Listen to me right, right now, and I'm not here to throw anybody under the table. I don't, I'm not giving your names. There's too many churches out there that are, that, are, that are not preaching truth in order to appease you. That does you no good. We need to talk about woke. God did not put men with men. And, and we might want to have a Sunday morning and we really talk about what love is. Men with men's not love. That's the world's definition. It's not Bible definition. Just because you went somewhere to church today means nothing. You go to a dead church, what for? To, to do your penance? A dead preacher preaching a dead sermon because it's Sunday? Get out of there. Okay. America's in a bigger mess than you think it is, but anyway, not here. All right, I got to find my spot here. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not turning you loose until I'm done, so you just relax. Let's talk about healing for a moment, and this will explain to you. The basic sickness in your body is spirit sickness. I venture that if you could be healed in your spirit, every one of you would be healed in your body. Your, your flesh is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. Woo! Polluted soul, polluted body. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about you, being, you living in sin. It might be you're not doing what he said. But, but there's a difference between relationship with God and fellowship with God. In order for Lisa and I to fellowship, it takes work. You don't have a relationship and be married and be selfish and you don't work at it. Everything's not about me. And everything in life is not about you. Okay, moving right along. Your body is tired the moment your spirit's discouraged. Your body breaks down under it as long as your spirit is triumphant, you are victor and go right on. A man is defeated only when he's defeated in his spirit. Oh, Pastor, I was tired. No, your back's lit. Your body's following what's going on inside of you. Woo! If you're not in love with your Bible, you need to repent and get right with God. You know, I can get up here and preach a sermon out of my head and out of my knowledge, and you'd never know I didn't even spend a day, one moment with God. After a while, you'll figure it out because you walk out and go, God, that was dry today. Well, it probably was. Okay, never mind. Joy is something in your spirit. 
Happiness is something connected with your surroundings. I just had to go to the beach today. I'm so unhappy. Once you go to church, you get your joy back and then go to the beach. You're happy because you're surrounded. You're joyful because you're in right relationship with your Father. Faith, love, joy, and hope all spring from your spirit being, the hidden man of your heart, all are products of your spiritual life. The reason you don't have rich, beautiful faith is because your spirit's denied the privilege of communion with your Father. You don't have a life outside of walking with God. That's a powerful statement. You might be existing. Lisa and I were talking about, you know, he talks in here about a minister, but Lisa and I were talking this week about so every once in a while we get the great joy to go listen to somebody preach. And we sit there and at the end of their sermon we go, that was worthless. That man, hadn't even had, he's not spending time with God. I mean, he gave a lot of information, but his sermon is dead as he is. And then someone else gets up and preaches, and next thing you know, you're running aisles and jumping pews and screaming and hollering, and, and, the, and that, man, that man's been with God. That's why your kids may not be listening to you. Well, I told you right from wrong. I know, Grandma. You always tell me right from wrong. But I don't see anything in you. Whoa, I didn't mean to take that off the tape. The reason people don't have a rich, beautiful faith, their, their spirits denied the privilege of communion with God. Do you understand me? You don't read your Bible. You don't pour over it. You don't live in it. You don't spend time in fellowship with your Father. Consequently, your spirit's depleted and weakened. Faith springs out of it. The faith that grows out of it is a sickly plant. On the other hand, your spirit lies fortified and built up and enriched by communion with your Father and reading His Word. Your spirit becomes strong and vigorous. There are issues from faith of triumphant and creative. I venture to say that men and women who are weak in faith who were once mighty in faith are so because they stopped feeding on the word and close intimate fellowship with God. I have a lot more to read, but I'm going to stop right there. Say amen. amen. We started off by talking the source of the power. Folks, I, you know, we can talk about prayer, but I'm not talking about slinging words at a wall. The prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Satan will do anything he can to stop that power in you. And you need to know that. And you've got to guard. Kenneth Copeland made a statement one time. Guard the anointing. Guard the anointing. I've had attacks happen at me, and I went to God one time, and I said, what, what is it? What is it? He said, it's not people, son. Satan is after the anointing on your life. Yes. 
He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you reading your Bible. He doesn't want you spending time alone with me. Because you spend time with me and you come out of that prayer closet, you're something to be contended with. Are y'all hearing me? That fellowship is the most valuable thing you have. I don't care what Delilah goes. What's your secret? <laughs> don't worry about it, honey. I was working at Philip Crosby and Associates, and I think understands me. A very prestigious college in Winter Park. Prestigious. Oh. <gasps> Ashtrays cost 500 bucks a piece. Listen, all the Bible teach, all the teachers there drive Cadillacs. I mean, it's prestigious. And one day they laid me off. That's their, it's, it's the way of firing people, but anyway. And they took me in the office and they looked at me like they were in a funeral home. And these two guys that can't run a business are going to help me. And I'm not bothered by it a bit. And they, they looked at me. You know how they, when you go to a funeral home, they, they, I hope you got enough sense to know that he's not feeling what you're feeling. He's acting. But anyway, don't, don't get, he should, he should be respectful of your feelings. But anyway, so I walk in there and I'm happy. And they said, we're letting you go. And I went, huh? And they said, you misunderstood us. I said, no, I didn't misunderstand. I said, you're firing me. And they, oh, well, we would. I said, hell, I'm gone. And they said, can we help you? And I went, you? Help me? You can't even run a college. I didn't say that. But I got up from the desk and I walked up to the two of them and I said, can I pray for y'all? Because y'all need help. <laughs> I own this room. I said, I don't need you to get me a job. I'll have a job before the sun comes up tomorrow morning. I said, my God meets all of my needs according to his rhythm. I'm not, my, my faith's never been in you. It'll never be in you. I was looking for a job when I got this one, and God will meet all my needs. I'm fine. But now, what about y'all? Because your college is messed up, and I want to pray for y'all. And two of them looked up and said, he's not like everybody else. No, I'm not. I went home that night and I'm preaching to the youth and I got a phone call and I had a job before I went to bed that night making more money than they were paying me. As long as I'm in fellowship with God, I'm not defeated. I don't have bad days. I mean, I just don't have bad days. And it's not coming because I'm a pastor. I've been tempted to have bad days. I've driven by and seen gas at $5 a gallon and knew I needed to go pray. Oh, crap. You better go pray. Get in there and pray in the Holy Ghost, spend time with God, and come out and look at that sign and go, ha! You don't whoop me. Number one, you are coming down in the name of Jesus. And this guy that's sitting on the throne in Washington's coming out of there in Jesus' name. You're going to turn this nation back around, Heavenly Father. Okay. I think I'm trying to be done. Y'all ready? We're going to take communion here. 
Did that help? You and God are unstoppable. The anointing that raised Jesus from the dead is on you. That's a lot of power. Don't compromise it for anything. I'm not saying you be ugly to your relatives. I'm just telling you to put the things of God first. Seek first the kingdom. We're going to take communion right now, and I want to take the time to show you this. So 1 Corinthians 11. Is that New Testament, Lisa? Old New Testament. She's a good wife to me. I got to tell you what Lisa did for me the other day. Can I tell them? I went out to Ramah because it was... 50 years of Rama. And Lisa woke up Monday morning and she stayed home. And the Lord said, um, go be with your husband. So Monday morning I wake up and I get a text Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. I forgot what morning it was. One of those mornings I woke up and I get a text with Lisa on an emoji riding a horse. And she says, I'm in cowboy country. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. She said, I'll be at the airport. Come get me. And I'm like, no, no you're not. And I get a text back. I'm serious. You need to come to the Tulsa airport. Get me. And I'm like, no, you're not at the Tulsa airport. She goes, no, I'm. And finally the phone rings. She goes, texting ain't working. She said, I left at four this morning. I'm here. And I'm like, are you serious? That's a big deal for me. That Bible school changed my life. And I got, to ha- I got to enjoy it with my wife being there who loved, who cared enough to be sitting next to me during a very important day. Anyway, she's a good woman, isn't she? I think you all ought to buy her a diamond ring. Let's go back to communion now. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 11. Go ahead and bring that in. Go ahead and bring that in. They're bringing the communion elements in. It says, when he'd given thanks, they broke and said, take this as my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, they took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There is nothing like the Catholic Church told you where the the grape juice actually turns into the blood. It doesn't. And I'm not drinking the wine and you're eating the cracker because I'm a wino. just go ahead and get on a whole lot of stuff when you drink it it's still grape juice and it's still saltine it's not in the elements it's in the remembering now I'm going to read Ephesians to you and we'll give you the scripture the Lord gave me the other day for my healing and I'm walking okay Ephesians 2 8 For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor. By grace you have been healed. The word saved is sozo. The word healed is sozo. You can interchange them. 
For by unmerited favor you've been healed through faith in the blood, not of yourself. Why are we remembering what he did? Because it's not in anything you did. You were saved because of what he did. You get healed exactly the same way. So the Lord said this to me. Quit trying to get it. I already got it. Just rejoice that I got it and it's yours. So I had to read this scripture a few times. Everything that you have in your life, any good came from God. That's what we've been talking about today. It didn't come from the world. It didn't come from your job. It didn't come from Disney. They don't add anything to you. Now you're in the world. You can enjoy the world, but don't chase it. Don't don't go to bed with it. By grace you've been saved. By unmerited favor you've been healed through faith in Jesus, not of myself. It's a gift. When we take communion in a minute, you guys come on. We're waiting on you. When you take communion in a minute, I want you to understand that when we pick up that cracker, we're remembering that by his bruises you're healed. In other words, because of sin, Jesus went to the cross and bore 100% of your sin. Not a little bit of it, not most of it, all of it. When he got finished on the cross, there was nothing God could even chide you for. Now let's talk about this for a minute now. When the death angel came over the house, he didn't say who's in the house. Hitler could have been in the house and the blood would have washed him. Now let's think about that a minute. Let's pretend for a minute Hitler prayed a sinner's prayer right before he died. He'd be in heaven. You go, hey, no way. Away. That's how powerful his death was. He bore it all. See, people don't go to hell for sinning. That's right. You're You didn't get forgiven of your dope smoking when you got saved. You were dead. You were dead in sin. Dead people, it don't matter what you did, you were dead. So because you were dead, he died in your place. And because he never sinned, God raised him from the dead. If you had died for yourself, you'd still be there. But he took your place. So anytime that we pick up a cracker, we go, thank you that God poured his wrath on you, not on me. What that means is I don't have to have sickness in my body because sickness is payment for sin and my sins are paid. Now, if you'll mix faith with that, you'll recover Say amen. amen. We need to spend more time on this. Now, like I preached a while ago, if there's something between you and God, this is a good time for you to say, well, let's talk about this. I hadn't been obeying you. 
And it says in 1 John, he forgives every iniquity and heals every disease. He forgives you and cleanses you from the unrighteousness. That means whatever it was that Satan had a, re- had a hook in you has to release it. The moment you're forgiven, the hook is undone. Whatever's binding you has to fall off. Say, that's awesome. So why do we take communion? To remember that. When you take communion, you're going, thank you for what you did. And then tell the devil to take a hike. Say, you have no part in me. Say, sin, you have no part in me. Sickness, you have no part in me. I plead the blood. You say, how often do we take communion? As often as you want to. You don't have to come to church. You can get you, you, can get you a little cup at home. I've had times when things didn't go well. I won't tell you about it. It's none of your business. I know you want to know. I go on the refrigerator. We have non-alcoholic wine. The non-alcoholic kind, Paul. And I'll pour me a cup and get a Ritz cracker and I'll sit there and I'll take communion. Because I've had about all the devil I won't put up with. I may have missed it. Said something that did something I shouldn't have done. My heart's bothering me. My conscience is bothering me. I go get me a cracker and some grape juice. <laughs> we'll fix you. We'll get back in fellowship with God like I never did anything wrong. So if you've missed it, let's talk to him about it right now. Father, there may be people in this room right now that have missed it. You gave us communion so that we could remember what you did and walk out of this building right now in fellowship with you like we've never missed it a day in our life. And for the ones of us that are in this room that are bound up with sickness and disease, we speak to you and command you to stop your maneuvers against us. We're under the blood. We're in covenant with God. Our sins are forgiven. Now he said when he was there, he took the bread and and when he took it, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Let's go ahead. He said as often as you do it, you can do this a lot. Father, you took the cup in your hand and you said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance. We sit here before you today and remember that the world has nothing to offer us. Eternal life came from you. Forgiveness came from you. Redemption came from you. The holiness of God came from you. Our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life came from you. And all because you shed your blood on that cross for us. And when that blood was shed, my sins were paid in full. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And when you rose from the dead, you raised me from the dead and made me a new creation. And then you said in 1 John, if I sin, faithful and just to forgive me. 
I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't have time to do this today, but I want to do it soon. I have, when I talk to you about living right, I have to balance that out with talking to you how to overcome shame and guilt. As long as you walk around with shame and guilt, it'll, it'll hinder your faith. Shame and guilt is gone because of the blood. I want you to act when you walk out of here today like God is on your side. Samson waited a little while before he got it back. You and I don't have to. You can run right back in the throne room now and go, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm going to highly recommend you do that, not out of legalism. Spend time with God. There's a scripture in Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word wait is minister to the Lord. Shall renew. It says swap strength with God. When you spend time with God, he'll pour his life into you. And you'll walk out of the throne room full of victory. Full of healing. Full of the righteousness of God full of the anointing of God and ain't a devil in hell can stop you. Amen. Well, thank you for putting up with me today as I gave you my rendition of live right and have a wonderful rest of this day. Praise the Lord. If my altar workers can come forward this morning, hallelujah. If you're here and you want prayer for any reason, just come on up. If you've never asked Jesus or a time you don't remember you've ever asked Jesus, say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. If you didn't just do it, you need to do it. Amen. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you've never said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for spilling your blood for me. Thank you for washing me in the blood and cleansing me of sin. If you don't ever remember doing that, do it today. If you need prayer for anything else, these will be up here to pray with you. The Bible says, if any two shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. He said he'll do it to get someone to get an agreement with you. Not everybody has a friend at home that will agree with them in prayer. Sometimes your spouse is not there. But you know that on Sunday morning, you can come and get prayer. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give... To the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button, or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.